<laughs> That's it. That's our intro song. <laughs> I can put I can put the music Human and stuff in. Okay, bar. put the put the music in before that, but keep that in. Okay, deal. Hi. <laughs> it's what if. I'm hey. Spencer. That's Ryan. Hey. That's Sam McCullough. Hello, Hello, motherfuckers. You you may know Sam from such podcasts as the What If podcast. That I get. Yeah, you were very very early on. You were yeah, one yeah. of our couple. guests. Couple, right? Wow, you remember the topic too. I only do Sam Jackson related podcasts with you guys. That was a. Uh, I think that was a single digit episode number. <laughs> wow, I thought you were going to say listener number, which would have made well, sense too. <laughs> Nine people. They're not mutually that. exclusive. <laughs> yeah. That was like um, episode seven or something. It was oh, it was very early. Was it really? It was real early. Damn. It was well, yeah. It, it was a while ago. I was yeah. gonna say you may know him from such podcasts as Finding Quantum Quest, where he is one of our the, the three of us co produced that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And depending we on We did find it. We did it. We Good found job, boys. we found Quantum Quest, not just finding, founding. Founding Quantum Quest. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm not taking credit too, for that. Too, um, too Deckard, bud. You're too Deckard, bud. Uh, we found Quantum Quest. Sam, uh, you were on the show a long time ago. Uh, we, You were also on the most recent episode of Finding Quantum Quest, uh, which was a bonus episode, right? Or will this come out before that episode? You know, who can say? Hard to say. Okay. <laughs> You'll be here. Potentially, <laughs> that episode came out before this episode. Potentially, Sam might be on an upcoming bonus episode of in, Finding Quantum In Quest. the near future or near past. So we thought today, so back last January 2021. Yes. Ryan and I did an episode about the movie Quantum Quest. Yes. About 12 hours after we discovered the existence of Quantum Quest. Yes. And a couple weeks later, we took that episode down because we were trying to book interviews with the filmmakers behind Quantum Quest. And we didn't want to we didn't want to have like we, we didn't want to have anything out there at all about our interest or our assessment or any of the things that we had said about the show as a way of any, even remotely potentially deterring someone from engaging with us further. Right. So we thought it might be fun for the three of us now, knowing what we do about Quantum Quest after following every possible lead and rabbit hole for the last 14 for a, months. For a fucking year and a half, yeah. Uh, to revisit that episode, see what we got right, what we got wrong, um, what we were just completely off base about, and uh, react accordingly. So to, Okay, so two things I'm interested about. One, we've said this to you guys before, because sometimes y'all will email us after we put an episode out, and y'all will be like, oh, you guys were talking about the blah, 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 blah. And, I, and I'll be like, was that last week's episode? Was that five episodes ago? Was that <clears> five years ago? I literally have no idea what's being referenced in the email that's being sent to us, because, and Spencer has said it, we did two of these a week for four years. So pretty much the moment we finished recording something, the yeah. memory, the RAM in our brains got purged to yes. make room for the rest of life and then the next episode. And so I have no memory, basically, of this episode Perfect. at all whatsoever. And Sam, even though you weren't on this episode, you may have listened to it at the time, which you said you have heard this. I have. I'm sure you also don't remember anything that we said in this episode. So it'll kind of be like all of us listening to strangers do a podcast episode <laughs> because even though it was us, we have no recollection of it. That's how I like to think about all my past behavior. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I listen Things to it. a stranger did. I listened to it recently because I had to cut it up into clips. But. Sure, sure. I also do have a pretty good recollection of a lot of our kind of early pet theories, some of which came oh. early on, but after you guys did this yes. episode. Sure. And some of those Maybe from were that episode pretty in wild. Some ways. Yeah. Um, quick question before we... Well, two things before we proceed. Mm-hmm. One... I think this is the first in-person in the same room episode of the What If podcast recorded in over two years. Fuck, that's true, dude. So for that. Grip it and rip it, bud. (laughs) Uh, Secondly, so. (laughs) Let's freaking go. This is a different podcast. Uh Uh-huh. Under which we have no contractual obligations to any of our collaborators for perhaps a different podcast that we do. Oh, Spencer's my lawyer. Are we allowed oh. to talk about the thing that we're not allowed to talk about on the other show? Oh, fuck. I am too many beers deep to be making yeah. decisions about that. We will leave it alone. Okay, here we go. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Unless we don't. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait. We'll see. Unless after this third beer, somebody says something. Yeah, too many are not enough. If wait, the spirit do- of the sweary boys overtakes me, I don't... <laughs> I have any responsibility for that. The spirit of the sweary boys is my new favorite phrase. Here is, these are roughly in order of, of how we discussed it in that okay. original episode. Yep. Uh, here is the intro. Oh, wait. Do we need to tell people, like, go listen to Finding Quantum Quest? Otherwise, this will be dog shit and not make any sense. It'll still be good, but it's you should fine. do that, too. Yeah. All right. It, yes, definitely listen to Finding Quantum Quest. I just Quest. think this will have all the spoilers possible for that podcast. So you should, you should go listen to That's that before true. you listen to this. So there's a movie named Quantum Quest, full title, uh, Quantum Quest, a Cassini, fuck, Space Cassini Odyssey. Space Odyssey, yep. And it's an animated film produced by Digimax, which is a Taiwanese animation studio, and Jupiter 9 Productions. Uh, it started production in 2007 and was released in 2010. Okay. Base, we, we got the basics right. I didn't Just realize brimming how... with innocence. No idea what lays before him. <laughs> brimming with innocence, not brimming with confidence. <laughs> you, you know, you figured it out. I didn't realize how disorienting it was going to be to hear our own voices as we comment against our own voices. Yeah. Well, we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, we were just sort of like getting our getting our feet under us on the it topic. Was, it was a typical what if episode where I had started quote researching the episode preparation just barely before we record Tw- like the episode. Twenty four yeah. hours, not uh, even in advance, probably less. Yeah, <laughs> two to four, not twenty four. Am right. I am I making this up, or did Ryan admit in the middle of the episode that he hadn't <laughs> read any of that research, or is that just? Oh, that's oh. that's the whole bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ryan does not prepare for our episodes. Oh, no, I'm aware. Yeah, okay. I'm just wondering if that was specific to this one or I'm just importing that memory uh, from one a, of 40 other episodes. About a year into doing this show, an agreement was made that <laughs> I don't do anything other than show up and record. <laughs> Full yes. stop. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yes, I, I definitely probably acknowledged at some point in that episode <laughs> that I did not know what was happening and had no idea what was happening. I was there to react purely. Yeah, that's that's been our dynamic. Yeah, it works. That's the, that's the bit. The system works. The main mystery is that no one knows what happened to it or how to view it. And then there the secondary mystery is like how the fuck did this movie ever get made? I think we successfully answered all all of those. How did it wait? How did it get made? What was the other one? What the fuck happened to it? Yeah. And where can we see it? We have an answer. So the what the fuck happened to it was 
uh, I don't know how to put it concisely. No, no one wanted to buy it. And people slash they did a terrible job of selling it. And then they stopped (laughs) promoting it or trying to sell it. Yeah. Um, You can see it this May on Amazon and iTunes. Yep. And then how did it get made is a slightly more complicated answer. And is still, I think, a little wishy-washy. But from what we know, NASA put up money to fund a script that through the generous hearts of the Hollywood elite contributing their voices to it, then got funded by a Taiwanese animation studio to do the visual portion of a movie uh, that then ran out of budget at one point and chopped in half. Possibly because of some geopolitical circumstances? Possibly because of some geopolitical, uh, yes. I think I have a fairly concise way of putting it. NASA wanted a movie promoting the Cassini-Huygens mission. Yep. The government of Taiwan wanted to prove that they were a competitor in the international animation industry. Yep. Harry Kluwer was able to connect those dots. Which we still don't fully know. What do you mean? We don't know how Harry and Digimax became friendly, do we? I do. Yeah. It was was through the Gotham Group. So Ellen Goldsmith. Oh, that's right. That's Seth MacFarlane's right. agent. Ellen Goldsmith Fane. Gotham? Founder. El- Ellen Goldsmith Fane. Ellen oh, Goldsmith yeah, yeah, Fane, yeah. founder of Gotham Group and doer of many other things. Yes. Was at the time trying to sort of create this pipeline of Asian animation studio yep. movies yep. where they would essentially outsource the animation to, to Asian companies with American writers, actors, et cetera, they could make a movie for a fifth of the cost of doing it with Pixar or DreamWorks or somebody and make a third of the money. Right. So you weren't investing as much, but you weren't making as much, but you were investing even less. Right. So their plan was to do a few of these every year, pump them out, make 20, $30 million on each one, turn a profit. Right. This was the first one and it failed. And then they just kind of let it go. Yep. There's the good, fast, cheap principle that exists here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. The, the bit is good, fast, cheap. You can pick two. And only and two. And they picked fast and cheap. Yeah. You could pick two. <laughs> and they and got you surprised about one. what came out the yeah. back end. Yeah. And so Harry had some pre existing relationship with NASA, which is how the meeting about the Cassini Huygens film happened in the first place. And that, that $100,000 grant that kicked everything else off happened. Yeah. He had some pre-existing relationship with Ellen Goldsmith Fane and yeah. Gotham, which is how both the connection to Digimax and then also the connection to Dan St. Pierre happened. Right, because Dan was connected through Gotham as well. So Harry was sort of this jack of all trades that was able to connect these dots, find the money, actually make this thing. Yep. And then in the middle of production, there was a new uh, administration elected into office in Taiwan they were not keen on investing into animation, building an animation industry, and pulled the plug halfway through. Yeah. So one administration invested $10 million in this movie, and the next was like, you did fucking what? No, we're not paying millions of dollars to finish this movie. Yeah. We're done here. We're out of here. Yeah. We don't have buttons today because we're sitting in the same room. Here's the one where we don't know how to say Cassini-Huygens. Oof. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is gonna hurt to hear, isn't it? You nailed it. I fucked it all the way. Oh, up. really? I should point out probably at this point that Quantum Quest is a like edutainment science film. Oh. So it was um made in part to educate people around or about the Cassini uh Hugens. How would you say H U Y G E N S? Huygens? Spell it one more time. H U Y G E N S. Huygens? Huygens! <laughs> the Cassini Huygens? <laughs> the goof, when the goof is actually correct, that's such a good. <laughs> Definitely rocked a goof, but I, bur- I now that I but you like, fucking nailed it. Yeah, I think I meant it though. I think it was. I it's, think I meant it. You absolutely crushed it. I think it was a gli- like a Glyvin joke, but yeah, Glyvin. At the, at the, at the risk of being too topical, huge gens has big Uncle Jams vibes. To sure, it sure, it sure, sure. I'm sure. sorry. It has what now? Oh, uh, mm, we're gonna have the to. Man, the man's not on TikTok. Right. He won't. He won't know. Like, yeah, I struggle. I struggle with Josh the, the and the muse when he wrote Uncajams. You have no We're idea. We're going to have to cover some stuff okay, later. Cool, yeah, fine, cool, we'll, cool, we'll, cool. Se- we'll send you a clip later. Um, here's one where we just got some basic factual information horribly wrong, and I don't even know how in retrospect. Oh, uh, cool. <laughs> that sounds right for us. The budget, I've seen anywhere from 20 to $30 million to make it. I don't know where I got that number from. The, the real the real answer is twelve, and it, it cost twelve million dollars. The only other number I can find now that was reported anywhere was ten. 10 right. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where I got twenty to thirty from. But here's the thing about the early bits of that research because you guys looped me in on this relatively quickly. Yeah, probably all I remember. I think it was a day after we recorded this episode. It, honestly, it was fast. Yeah, I, and the, I, my well, memory. Sorry, just really quick. No, no, my no, memory yeah. is. We put the episode out on a Tuesday because all our episodes came out on Tuesdays. Yep. And by the end of the week, I think I had texted you some version of, I can't seem to let this go. Like, this is like, yeah. Like, going back to the point earlier about how quickly we let these episodes fall out of our brains while record, or, you know, while in like our normal recording recording schedule, Mm -hmm. our two a week recording schedule. This was one of the stories that did not fall out of my brain. And I think yeah. I, that's all I was trying to text you was like, yo, I keep fucking thinking about this and I don't know why. Well, <laughs> and and then, you were like, yeah, you know what? Kind of me too. And it, I think it was like Friday that we were like, should we like kick around some like, just like, let's just like dig a layer deeper. And I think it was literally that, that was the weekend that we filled each other's email inboxes was that Sunday. So it was, it was like Tuesday to a Sunday. We went from recording the episode to filling each other's email inboxes with like a deep dive. It was two things for me. So we record this on a, like a Tuesday night, like yep. we always did. And then the next day I called Charles Colhays and had that weird interaction where he hung up on me That's and right. then said the stuff about like people losing their jobs yep. and it being this like really dark period that he didn't want to go back to. And then I think on like Friday or Saturday, Sam came through with the the bombshell that we are legally obligated not to talk about. Those two those two things really happened in like a week. 
And those were the two where I was like, okay, well, we have to do something with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's clearly something here. There's something else here. And you had looped me in before you called Cole Hayes. And I think... So yeah, so then the next day for Cole Hayes doesn't sound right. But I think it was, I think it was damn, it was was within like this, all of this is, we're talking about like seven days. Yeah. And I think that the reason, I I guess I don't really know, but I think part of the reason you called me is like, I have some background in government and it's kind of my work. And I have some familiarity with like government funding stuff. And that was part of where that was a hundred percent. What I first said to Spencer was, I was like, yo, if you're cool with this, I have a homie who like knows how to search the fucking annals of the internet and the weird, stupid, broken government websites that are yeah. supposed yeah. to provide transparency. And, and, and like, and if we, if we're actually looking to how to going back to the clip, how did this get made? The homie who knows how to search government funding and like knows about government funding more than anybody else I know is the homie to like bring and, in. And we were operating at this point under the assumption that the budget was significantly larger than it was like sure. two to three times two larger three than times, it was yeah. and that it came fully from nasa which we later learned neither of those things were true yes but i think our line of thinking was if nasa gave 20 or 30 million dollars to a contractor to make a movie bigger there question has mark. to be a record of yeah, this bigger somewhere. question mark for sure for sure the broader thing about the beginning of this that i remember from all the research is it was also there was so little about this film that existed anywhere legitimate that so much of it from the rip was like Wayback Machine and Google yeah, yeah, Archives yeah. and all yeah. of these things that I have no confidence I could replicate finding again to your point about like where the hell did I get that number? Yeah, like, right. There's so many nuggets that seemed like anchors in the moment that were like weird God only knows where they came from. I, well, they're all in a Google Drive of screenshots <laughs> now. But oh, did you? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. let's go. I have all that stuff. Yeah, we got Instagram fucking <laughs> shit for days. Let's go. Yeah, I have all that shit. But that that was totally it. Of like, we were pulling shit from message boards. Yes. and like archived versions of horrible websites from. 10 plus all of it was at least 10 years old yeah some significantly more i was just like within the last week i was trying to go back and confirm some shit about other screenings of this movie mm-hmm. like the international screenings that happened like i just learned from this dude james uh hater in the last couple of weeks that there were screenings in taiwan and singapore and london which we didn't know even when we were recording Finding Quantum Quest. Yeah, I'd love to actually ask Harry about that too. Like, was he present for those? Did he go with the movie? Were there he educational only, components? He only had U.S. distribution. So he he went, we asked them about that, and they were both That's like, right. "I think there, I know there were Asian screenings, but like, Digimax didn't tell us anything." So at some point, Digimax was like touring that film more or less. Yeah, because they had exclusive rights to it in That's all right. of Asia. That's right. But anyway, I, I was trying to pull something from uh, like a a Taiwanese science center's website, right, From to just confirm that they played this movie at some point. And the whole website is built on Flash. And you, you literally, like, it, <laughs> you, can't, you can't even display it anymore. No, for I, sure. So it's archives, but, like, your browser won't even load it. No, because right? there's nothing to archive in a Flash program. Yeah, there, and, yeah. like, the full website was Flash. There was, like, nothing else on it. High tech at the time. Yeah, it was probably, oh, yeah. probably looked really cool. It probably, yeah, <laughs> totally. All right, uh, this I labeled this one, Cast is Nuts. 
one of to me the most interesting pieces that we have not called attention to yet is that the trailer opens with like 12 names of people who are the voice talent in this movie and it's like 12 of the most famous people you've ever heard of the cast is fucking bonkers sorry didn't mean to cut myself off there Gotta keep the sweary bros band strong. Cast is fucking bonkers. Classic move. I buried the lead when describing this thing to you. But <laughs> yes, I, that that was another part that like clearly got our attention right from Jess. Yes. Well, and and again, it's the it's the thing. It, it's one of the things going back to our assumption around the budget of why why did this disappear if there was twenty dollar twenty million dollars of NASA money into it. Another version of that was, why did this disappear if there were 12 of literally the most famous people you've ever heard of involved with it? Like, that was another thing that just was such a red, not red flag, but like just such a huge, like, does not compute. Yeah, does not compute. And I think we were assuming at the time that those people were paid, like, their regular rates, too, which would have made this whole thing way less feasible. A very reasonable assumption, by the way. Right. We later confirmed that that was not true, but... I, an assumption I still have questions about, though. I mean, maybe not still have questions about. Like, it's not that I don't believe Harry and Dan and and their take on it, but I just it seems I don't know h- how how you got all those people to agree and show up at a time where like like how does Sam Jackson's agent ever answer that email or ever answer that phone call twice? To, to be clear, Twice, like, it's yeah. one thing to build this like all-star cast of folks once, but you succeeded and a land second it. time. And I go, eh. Is that I, also Gotham Group related somehow? Do you all, go through like a top-down? All those people do charity work, probably, right? Like, sure. So I, I wonder if you view it, and, and so your manager or your publicist or whoever your agent is filtering those types of things and. I mean, if if you send a, if you have enough connections, you know, in Hollywood for someone to just pick up the phone, yeah, which Harry probably did at the time, yeah, he's writing, writing for Star he's, Trek, he's writing on a big show, yeah. he's working with NASA, he's got education ties, yeah. he's, I I think part of what we're probably undervaluing now is if you go back to '97 or whenever he whenever he graduated. With his PhDs, 90s? Uh, 90, 91? Okay. 90, 92? Sometime in the 90s. I, I don't remember. I should know, but I don't. There were, like, the AP picked up that story, and it was in every local newspaper in the country. Yeah. Like, that was a huge story that this dude g- completed simultaneous PhDs in physics and chemistry. It was in the New York Times. It was in, it was in every yeah. national paper, but it was also in every local yeah. paper. And so... Harry may have had a rep at the time for being like that guy when it comes to educational entertainment content. A wunderkind of sorts. Like yeah. I've written for, I have two PhDs from a prestigious university and I write for Star Trek. I'm going to combine these two things of Hollywood and science. Into- NASA's on board. Gotham Group is on board. Sure. If that's your pitch of all this stuff is already in place, I need you for like, Two, a day. Uh, two hours oh, yeah, on yeah, a yeah. Wednesday afternoon. You're breaking through the rest of what 
someone's agent. And actually, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, I think I make an argument for this in this episode. Yeah. Of like some version of like, I don't know, it's science, it's for kids, you know, if you try hard enough and if you email enough people, because that's another piece of it too, right? You send that same email with that exact same pitch you just outlined to fucking 400 of the most famous Hollywood actors, you can probably get 10 of them or 12 of them. Harry you know? said he got 10 no's for every yes. Sure. And back then it was probably honestly easier to find people's contact info too. If you yeah. knew, if you had a few connections to begin with. And you were probably less flooded at the time too. I, I will just, for the sake of dissenting here a little bit, I have a little bit of trouble with that 10 no's for every yes story every time that's I hear it. Also, because but knowing but Harry, that is... That's an exaggeration. Well, some that's sort, part one of it. <laughs> knowing Harry... 94, just, by the way, with Harry. 94? Yeah, so we're like three years removed from him being a national news story. Um, yeah, the f yeah. But there's the... Everything's a little bit massaged with Harry piece of it. But then there's yes. also like... I just do not believe that you put out 10 times the asks of what you eventually got and just so happened to get and it just so happened that all the people you got had this common thread to them to either the Star Trek or the Star Wars well, universe. This, okay, but this like is the a shape thing. of what you end up with is so specific that it's very difficult for me to believe there's not some hub. Hang to on. That. This is a thing that we talked about on the show, though, as well, which is the whole math of this changes when you get a yes or two, because then your pitch starts to include Shatner's on board sure. or your pitch includes so, Sam Jackson's on board or Hamill's on board. I, and I then that the, pitch is makes the people who are connected to those people significantly more likely to jump on board. hundred percent. I think the initial, if I had to, this is just me speculating, but I oh, think we should allegedly sprinkle allegedly across this entire, episode. you guys know how we do things here. <laughs> If, if I had to guess, I think the original, the initial yes was probably uh, Robert Picardo. Sure. Harry had, he had written a, a handful of Star Trek Voyager episodes, and they were episodes that featured Picardo's character as the doctor. And Picardo has said in interviews that those were his favorite episodes of the show to work on, mm. were the ones that Harry wrote. So they're and homies. They, they appear to this day to be pretty close. Because so. Picardo also hit us with the tweet or the retweet about the Quantum Quest launch. Yeah. And, and Picardo, did, when they did Comic-Con and stuff to promote it, like Picardo has been the constant through the promotion of this movie too. Sure. And so they're so homies and he's supporting and yeah. Harry calls Picardo as a friend and says, hey, will you do this thing for me? Well, and. Yes, of course. Okay, then you can go to Brent Spiner. Right. And then you have those two on board. Maybe you can go to Shatner or maybe you can go to Chris Pine. And or, maybe and, via and it NASA. it sort of stacks, you know, you scaffold it. And maybe via NASA, you've got Neil Armstrong. Well, he, Purdue. Purdue, You, you yeah. had the, the. That's right. They I knew each other Purdue previously from, Purdue, from Purdue education <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Shut up. So you've got the existing relationship with Picardo. You have the existing right. relationship with Neil Armstrong. Right. So you I'm have saying, NASA behind you. Yeah. So now you have NASA, two Star Trek actors, and a fucking former astronaut who literally walked on the moon. And now when you go to fucking a favor from Travolta is a lot less daunting. You go to, or you go to Sam Jackson or you go to whoever, yeah. and everyone's like, well, that's a lot more appealing than like I'm the fucking guy here or, or at least sticking they, my neck out. Or at least they open the email. 
Right. You know, the right. wildest, the wildest one. Your manager is going to answer that phone call way faster. Yeah. Right. The one that doesn't connect and was genuinely pretty famous at the time that I get a huge kick out of every time I remember he's in here is Casey Kasem. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Casey Kasem toss is so funny. Because Jason Alexander is the other one for me that I'm like, that dude was very like famous off of Seinfeld. But like, I wonder what he was doing in like 98, 99. Hunchback of Notre Dame. He's in that. Wow. I think he's He's the the guy. He is the hunchback. Oh, I didn't know that. I think yeah, that's like, holy shit. I have to I, look that I up. Think, right well, now. you know who worked Dude. on that movie? Dan. Dan St. Pierre was yeah. the art director. Okay, so so that's the other piece, right? Is like you have a guy like Harry. Harry is connected because of Star Trek, right? But, However, sorry, just to backtrack, Dan was not on board yet in no. when they were casting the first time. Right, the second time no. he was, but Jason Alexander was not in the first cast. Correct. Right, and that's yeah. what I was going to say. Is like. Harry's connected through Star Trek for the first cast and through whatever he can muster through some of those, you know, connections via connections type thing. But that second one, you add a guy like Dan St. Pierre, like Dan St. Pierre. The most legit animation resume you could ever have. A, deep, yeah. a genuine and, star and, in yeah. his industry. A genuine yeah. star in his industry. And even if these people are not necessarily all born and bred voice actors, as a guy who works in animation, you can you can knock on doors being like, I work with voice actors. Come be a voice actor for me. And well, again, Dan never told us how much work he had in pulling that cast together. They said they did it together. They did it together. Yeah. He, I was going to say, they said they were going on these flights to go record these people together. I'm sure there was effort there. And if I'm, if I'm an actor like Jason Alexander or any of these actors who hadn't done a ton of voice work at the time... If Dan St. Pierre comes to me and says, hey, I need a favor. Yes. I'm probably more likely to say, yeah, I'll come in for an afternoon and cut some dialogue for your movie. Knowing like, okay, well, now you owe me one and you do huge animated movies every year. Right. If I'm trying to get into voice acting. Catch you on the next one. Yeah. This is this is an opportunity for me to maybe make that pivot or maybe pick up some extra money on the side for like a relatively easy gig or to fill in gaps in my acting career. With a guy who, like, really, really does this. Jason Alexander played Hugo, not Quasimodo, but mm. Hugo in The Hunchback of Notre I Dame. don't remember who Hugo was in, in that movie. It's, like, the third lead. All right. Um, we covered the cast stuff pretty thoroughly. Let's go to the trailer. This one is labeled, The Trailer Sucks. <laughs> Oops. I would roast the trailer... As like a, like, oh, somebody just made this up. This isn't a real film. The trailer Except is that when hilariously you, bad. Like this movie the looks just outrageous. awful. That's the whole clip. It ends with me saying it's hilariously bad. We, uh, you're right. We were a little harsh on it the first time. <laughs> would, mean, would have been tough on. to book those interviews with that still in there. We were mm-hmm. a little harsh on it, but I. We're not wrong either. We're not wrong. And it's in the Finding Quantum Quest shit if you've listened to it but the reaction from dan st pierre when he realized the trailer was out there which he did not realize until we tried to gently question him on yo is this how good this film is because it seems bad did we well you guys i would know better than you too i guess but did we ever like actually read that email from that Dan? email from him was so funny and so aggressive and it was basically like didn't on the show okay let me see if i can i i have it 
the gist of it is like almost apologetic because what happened was we he's were like he is personally offended by the quality of that. Yes. And what happened was we were interviewing True. them and I tried to gently and politely ask, is your movie as shitty as this trailer yes. is in the kindest possible yes. way? Because Dan's yes. an excellent dude who is very kind and very generous with his time and I like did not want to offend him. Yes. And so I asked it so gently that he sort of didn't realize what I was talking about. Well, he had ne- because he had because he'd never he seen had never it. seen it. He didn't know it existed. He right. Digimax made that trailer on their own, and they weren't even aware that it was out there until we brought it to their attention. Yes. And so we doubled back via email and brought it to their attention. And the response from Dan was so funny and made me feel so much better about how like delicately I tried to walk it back and frankly all the stuff you guys said about it yeah totally they were they were really proud of the movie as a whole for sure and when they became aware of the trailer were very not proud of that Dan described it as it he said something to the extent of like or to the effect of it made him want to cry how bad it was yeah yeah and he's it's like I don't think you can call that a trailer. It will make you cringe or maybe cry, I think is what he said. It's not easy to get palpable professional shame via email from someone. And that was my (laughs) only recollection of that email. the, The main problem with the trailer is the sound. It's like basically unintelligible. And what we ultimately, I think, got to was that Digimax took the IMAX mix of the film that was intended for however many audio channels IMAX is like 30 plus and just summed it all down to one. And so things that are supposed to be like happening in ultra surround sound are all coming from one channel and laid on top of each other. And so it's all at the wrong volumes and things are like canceling each other out and you just, it's a mess. So the, they weren't aware that any of that was even happening and Digimax completely botched it. It sounds like. So if you've seen the trailer for Quantum Quest, that is not actually representative of the movie itself in terms of quality, specifically when it comes to sound. Um, Okay, next up, uh, this one's just labeled Skywalker Sound. Skywalker Sound handled all of the sound and music for it. As in George Lucas Skywalker Sound? Yeah, as in like the company that does... Foley and mixing and voiceover and all things sound for like all of the biggest fucking movies in the world. Yeah. So that shit's not cheap. They have 62 Oscars, by the way. Yeesh. <laughs> Is that good? Is that <laughs> a good? bunch? It's more, like that's more than I have. It's it's pretty good. It's still like 30 or 40 less than Meryl Street, but it's like pretty good. <laughs> I think that is hitting on a thing that we've already addressed a couple times, but I think it's just worth restating is a thing that we were, I think we're probably off about at the beginning is the budget piece. We yeah. were so sure that there was just a, there was, there was this, this huge disastrous inconsistency between this movie cost this amount of money. And how do you pay for Skywalker sound? How do you pay for Samuel L. Jackson? How do you pay for William Shatner? How do you pay for a, a Taiwanese animation studio? How do you pay for all this stuff? Yeah, and get this product. Like we were, we were so sure that this was like there was some accounting issues with like yeah. how this movie was created. Well, and to be fair, there was to some, some extent some 
former presidents of Taiwan went to jail for what you could call accounting issues immediately yeah. after this movie was finished. <laughs> Financial mismanagement uh, yes. of sorts. Uh, whether that is legitimate and or related to this movie, I don't think we'll ever know. But the... Sam, you, you have thoughts? No, You're making I, a lot of faces I at just, me. <laughs> <laughs> I come to the What If podcast for all my geopolitical information, yeah. and so I'm happy to listen to this play out. No, I wouldn't. Sure. Sure. I wouldn't. I absolutely would not do that if I were you. There's there's a reason that we did not dive yeah. super deeply into that whole part of the story on, yes. on Finding Quantum Quest yes. because I am not equipped to do so. I do I, I do not remember you guys knowing about the Skywalker Ranch thing at the at the jump. I don't I didn't I, I thought that came later. We knew that it happened. We didn't know anything about how it happened. Yeah. So we we later learned, and I didn't know this until I talked to the two editors on the movie, the sound editors on the movie, that they had essentially donated all of the time. That Skywalker right. just ate the cost and essentially did it for free. I think the additional piece of the Skywalker thing that is still confusing to me is that the San Francisco Orchestra was the orchestra that played that music. Well, so we were also sort of wrong there. Sort of wrong. It, they Skywalker has like a in-house orchestra that comprises members of the San Francisco Orchestra. Yeah. But and so but still the donation of all of those people's times to play that music right. to then be edited into the music right. for the film still feels like a sizable investment. Skywalker donated at least six figures to this project. Oh. Sure. Yeah. I mean, which is what we were trying to figure out here high, is like high six. Sure. Yeah. Bare minimum. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 But I think that's part of what we were missing here is that we didn't know that that was an option. Sure. That they sometimes will do that for projects that they believe in. Sure. With probably the same a, pay everyone a union rate. Right. For, you know, for the sound editors for right. several weeks, for the right. orchestra for a right. day or two. Yeah, your orchestra's taking a $200 a person day rate or whatever. It's got to be more than that, but yeah. But like still, you're getting away with, I mean, for a full orchestra, for a day of their time to play all of this sheet music. I mean, what? I'm, it's got to be, I mean, we could look up Tens what, of thousands what, of dollars. what union rates are, but I think it was like a 60 to 80 piece orchestra. I mean, if you're paying them. Union would, rate on that's going to be minimum five hundred a person. A day. I was going to say if, if we're doing minimum five hundred, I mean you're at forty k already. Thirty to forty grand yeah. for a day. For a day. Yeah. yeah, I think they knocked it out in a day. There's actually, and compared to the rest of this movie, there's an like a very high amount of documentation of the recording of the score. Like the composer Sean Clement shot like a mini documentary of recording the score for this movie. So I think does that exist? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Oh shit! I never watched it. Or saved to my Google Drive. Hey, <laughs> but you documentation. It's it seems like it was a day or two to to cut the score, mm. but then like, you know, you're paying in multiple engineers a day rate. You're paying right, a right, conductor. Right. You're paying you're paying the composer his totally. his normal rate probably. Totally. Paying the people who work at Skywalker Ranch who probably make great money doing that yeah, their yeah, regular yeah, yeah. rates. So. And then someone has to like someone had to edit that score, someone had to mix that score. It Leslie fucking Jones recorded the score. Yeah. She recorded Apocalypse <laughs> Now. Yeah. She's like one of the most decorated engineers in Dad, in movie history. I will say of all of the bonkers things about this movie, 
like it somehow the audio is maybe one of the most bonkers parts and it's like a little more nerdy like you have to kind of know but if you know it's like what the fuck like she she is like the classical engineer in the world yeah and then uh, like for sure in film but like maybe in general i reached out to her just to be like i would love to talk to this woman and shockingly no one responded to me but yeah yeah but also this harkens back to the trailer thing where for a stretch, the only part of this film we saw was the trailer that was on YouTube. And we knew right. that Leslie Jones and, and Skywalker Ranch had done it. And, it and the sound like was garbage. garbage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which garbage. was part which, of the Which is why we were marks. so fucking yeah. confused right. about this whole yes. thing. Like, part also, of the question marks. Before we move off the Skywalker Ranch thing quickly, is there a Star Wars connection that I'm oh, forgetting about There are here? several. No, 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 but do we know what the, like, Picardo, if if he's the Star Trek hub here? Oh, oh, I see. Do we know where that comes from? Because Harry doesn't have a background in that, but there's, like, Skywalker Ranch and Hayden Christensen, and th- it seems Sa- to be a separate Sam link. Jackson. Right. Uh, wh- there are others. Who am I? Hayden Christensen, uh, Ham- Sam oh, Jackson, Hamill. Mark Hamill. Hamill. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody else. I feel like I am, too. Definitely am. fourth one. Uh, oh, James Earl Jones. Yeah. James Earl Jones. That's the one. So, okay, but here's another but I, question. I don't know of any personal connections between Harry, Harry or Dan and, and any or of those whoever, people. Yeah. yeah. But another question is, like, if you if you have even a verbal sign-on from Skywalker Ranch. I think that happened after, though. I would yeah. assume there's a connection that led to the Skywalker Ranch thing. So, so, so again, knows? though, yeah. maybe it's uh, you get James Earl Jones, and then James Earl Jones gets Mark Hamill or helps influence Mark Hamill. And then James Earl Jones and Mark Hamill help influence Hayden Christensen and Sam Jackson. It's also possible that like a Picardo, who's an enormous figure in the Star Trek universe, just like has connections. And I'm sure some of these people know each other. Yeah. 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 These are not big worlds. My my understanding of the Skywalker thing was from the folks that worked on it was that it was just like a, this is an educational thing that we think has legs that we would like to be associated with. And we can afford to do it right now because we're between projects. Yeah, sure. Like we can give them the studio for two weeks because whatever Jurassic park just finished up and Sherlock Holmes hasn't started yet. You know, that type of thing. It's just still bonkers to me that this movie could have been sandwiched by those two films, but it was uh, not those two films, but you know what I'm saying. Dude, this Stuart McCowan, who was Stuart McCowan, who's the supervising sound editor on it. It was between like Avatar and something else for him. Uh, good God, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I asked him about that. I should just, just the quiet. Good God, I should just up, <laughs> upload that interview with him in full because it was I, a it was a fucking great interview and i actually I just, thought like, about that when we were talking about finding quantum quest should those just be bonus episodes it of just, the show like why not it just didn't fit into the the narrative that we ended up telling but, but that's like, what i'm saying like as as a full bonus episode like just intro it as hey we talked to the people who did the audio here and like we thought it was still interesting fuck it put the it other out. thing that i never quite got full clarity on which is still one of my favorite stories from this entire thing is that this got the audio got done at Skywalker Ranch, but there was also the set, I believe, wasn't the surfing Taiwan incident guy a sound editor technically on this? No, he, no, was, an, he, he was an assistant editor. Oh, okay. The, the, yeah. editor, the editor and assistant editor, according to Dan, got arrested for surfing during yes. a typhoon in Taiwan, which I guess he didn't necessarily contradict that. <laughs> 
the assistant editor neglected to tell us that part of the story. <laughs> we, told, told us a different version of the same story. Definitely we, seemed like a dude vibes we, wise. We never we, might have participated in something. We like didn't that. dive okay. too deep on this, but sorry, just backtracking for a second. Yeah, uh, Quantum Quest was in between Avatar and Tron and Super Eight for Stuart McCowan. Jesus Christ! It was the it was the first thing he did after Avatar. <laughs> That's so bonkers, dude. Story's That's about as good. So oh bonkers. boy, he did Indiana Jones and then Avatar and then Quantum Quest. <laughs> Jesus, yo, a series of just like these people were in Quantum Quest. Here's what bookended that for each of them would be pretty wild. Yo, yeah, honestly, that would be fun. Just before, like a full timeline before and after. Yeah, this is what happened. Uh, okay, so then we talked about the tr- the sound of the trailer, which I feel like we've covered at this point. Yep. Uh, this one's labeled, How Did Harry Get This Contract? You have $30 million. Even if all of that is coming from NASA and it's pitched as like this ed- educational opportunity, right? Like this is going to be, it's got all these big actors on it. Kids will be interested in it. Right. You can screen it at, you know science museums and planetariums and we'll do a second run with schools and all that stuff. Right. It doesn't have to right. make its money back because it's coming out of NASA's education budget, whatever. Right. How does, I mean, you're still getting a $20 million contract from NASA. How does a guy who's made zero films and an animation studio who's never released a film in the United States get that contract. And then with a no name director, like no one who worked on this film in any capacity had any sort of clout in Hollywood. Right. How do you get Samuel L. Jackson, Mark Hamill, Chris Pine, Jason Alexander, William Shatner involved? So that's one way we were just wrong about a bunch of shit. Yeah. We botched that for a variety of reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Stan St. Pierre, an absolute monstrous fucking mountain of clout yeah. in the space. The, our and budget was totally off. The budget was off, and the budget didn't come from NASA to Correct. then hire a studio. We found out later through the show. Budget was the, from the studio. The only budget that came from NASA was, as far as we're aware, to commission the creation of the script. $100,000, which makes so much more sense. And then Harry was the one who went out into the world to get that film made with budget from the Taiwanese government via this Taiwanese animation Did we studio. get full clarity on the 100000 was the only no. money they ever spent? No, we did not. Okay. Well, wait, what do you mean? Well, because some of what we bumped into was... I at least learned a lot about how the NASA budget and the JPL budget actually manifest when you start trying to look for this stuff that mm-hmm. there's enough weirdness in the JPL and NASA space that there are some pass-throughs that exist sure. that help to obscure where exactly that money goes sure. ultimately. And some of that is like probably national security stuff, but some other stuff like this kind of gets caught in that machine you're saying is it possible there could have been more dollars here that we didn't know about because of those past yeah because i think what we realized here is that because jpl the jet propulsion laboratory is housed within caltech what happens is the government grants caltech some amount of money and it just shows up as a generic jpl budget line item of a massive amount and then what happens after that at a 
private university in California is a little squishy, at least for public records Sub purposes. To their discretion. So I think what you're describing is the reason that my FOIA request didn't come back with anything. Some of is, that too. Is because it would have been categorized as a more general outreach education outreach budget or just it, it was all ultimately under the Cassini Huygens budget, which was like billions of dollars right. or a billion dollars. And then it's distributed by JPL, which is technically Caltech, which is then not under FOIA. W- wouldn't show up in a NASA right. FOIA request. So the only really the only source we have for that number is Harry. Harry, yeah. So I'm assuming he's telling us the truth there. We haven't been able to confirm that. Right. We also haven't seen anything that conflicts with that. So I've been taking that as probably correct. But no, I guess we can't like independently verify that. We just hit a wall with that one that I think everyone's going to hit eventually. Well, and the response from from NASA was a little bit weird in that they didn't say that those records aren't available for those reasons of like it's through JP because I, I filed the FOIA through JPL specifically. So they, they implied to me that like that was the right path to get that information. And I had a phone conversation with the, like their FOIA person before filing it to confirm, like, would this be the right way to approach this? Yep. Here's the information I'm trying to get. Yep. And their response was that, they don't have they didn't have a record of it but records of that nature from that era would have been destroyed according to their policy so basically they were saying like you waited too long we don't have records of that anymore which i right even it's, if it's, we it's, knew it's messy and doesn't tell us anything the and it's kind of weird the mix of that specific interaction which like you know the records didn't meet our policy those policies are designed to obscure, and that's not. And, and we address that in the show too. Of yeah. like, you have plenty of other records from that era. Like, are you yeah. sure stuff and you're proud of happens to last beyond the deadline somehow? You, you documented from your inception in the '60s. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, but you mix that with you know the things that with our general experience with Harry's relationship with the truth and embellishment and whatever. And mix that with your Charlie Colhay's conversation, and I, I still well, have a bunch of questions down that particular avenue that I, I'm yeah. not sure we'll ever get answers to. And that's yeah. that's a good point of like, okay, so you you grant Harry Clure or Jupiter Nine Productions or whoever a hundred thousand dollars to write the script. Well, then you brought Charles Charles Colhay's back to consult on it, so you were, I'm assuming, paying him something. There's, there's, so that money is yeah. not directly going towards the production of this movie, but it is money that would not have been spent had you not been working on this movie. Like you're paying Colhase to work on this film now. And also, like, Charlie Colhase is, you know, the way we've been talking about Dan St. Pierre in this conversation is like a titan in his field. Like, yeah, Charlie yeah. Colhase is that and then some. Like, he is right. arguably one of the more famous and successful people to ever work. At NASA. For what it's worth, though, we also did have a conversation about the fact that the Colhase piece was likely, if not certainly, not Colhase coming back to NASA to manage this film specifically, as much as it was 
that there was an education initiative and he was supervising multiple films that had been treated similarly. Where are you getting that from? Didn't we have... I don't mm. remember that specifically, but regardless of what the dynamic is, Charlie Colhays is not a guy that you just toss on to shit you don't care about. Like he was awarded the NASA, like NASA's highest possible yeah. level of I forget the, it's like the NASA NASA Medal of Honor. Like it's the highest possible distinction you can have didn't within we, NASA. Didn't we talk about though that like at some like in some capacity wasn't his title something related to like education in general like he was like a steward of the education budget for nasa or am i making no. this up I think yeah that's that's not a real thing huh he lists on his own his own resume that he was working specifically on quantum quantum quest, quest okay which is why we contacted why him in the first place yeah i don't know why i don't know why that's which again like for all of the famous people that it's easy to gush over from the Hollywood standpoint and all of this. Yeah. Charlie Colhays is yeah. that for science. the like government yeah, yeah, space exploration yeah. science totally. side of this. Like yeah. he is a super mega star in yeah. that space. Yeah. And this is another thing that I wish we could have gotten into more in depth in the main arc of finding quantum quest, but like he was a pioneer in, in that space in terms of navigation and mission design at JPL and at NASA. Like, this dude designed the Voyager missions. He laid out in the 70s a, a practical Mars mission, which is like something that is still being debated now. Like this dude was way ahead of his time and pushed space exploration as a whole farther forward than right. most people. Right. As well as some like computer animation stuff. And then on top of that was like a pioneer in in animation, in a way. Yeah. Because like, it was the imaging link for some of those NASA so, missions. So he hired Jim Blinn, who basically, right. like, for all practical purpose, purposes, invented computer animation. He hired Jim Blinn to work at JPL because he was like, I think this is going to be useful for us. I can pay you to come do it over here. We have the computing power to do it. I'll work with you on it. And so... Jim Blinn in, invented techniques that are like still being used today in computer right. animation right. while he was working for Cole Hayes at JPL and those Voyager animations that they did, like the first publicly available computer animations of any kind in the seventies, they made those Jim Blinn and Charles Cole Hayes together made computer animations for the first time, basically that were then viewed by literally billions of people around the world. Yeah. And they got schlepped onto this project somehow. 10 years after he retired. Yeah. He yeah. retired in 98. Like this was the thing that was important enough. I still, man, I wish we, we could have worked with Cole Hayes on this project. He yeah. was just, he just wanted none of it. Yeah. And I'm not sure he's in a position to like. Participate. Yeah. Yeah. Getting him on the record would have been um, would have Ooh, been really interesting. I had a lot of very interesting phone calls with that dude that yeah. I, I wish we could have could have shared in yeah. full. And one of a number of people who like, and it's just it's so hard for me to get past the fundamental truth to this, which is this project has just somehow, some way, pulled in so many people. Yeah, who had such amazing and impressive careers, but something in the world like pulled them towards 
finding Quantum Quest for some stretch of time, either in 97 or 2007, like, but something brought a lot of enormously successful people in animation, space, Hollywood, all sorts of places together in this. And to not know, like, where that came from or why it happened, like, is very fascinating. It's, It's really hard still to wrap my head around the fact that, like, Charles Colhays, Carolyn Porco, Dan St. Pierre, John Travolta, and like the fucking San Francisco Symphony Orchestra all worked on the same project. Yeah. And, and then, then no one and, ever saw and it. And then no one could see it. <laughs> yeah. Like that that, is, that, that, there that, are so many people who worked on this project that are better at what they do than we will ever be at fucking anything. anything. Yeah. Anything. And there were like 50 of them all working on one yeah. project. Yeah. And then no one saw it. Yeah. That is, I mean, what you're saying right now is the crux of why we like felt like we needed to go blow yeah. this motherfucker up. Well, yeah. and then I think the other thing, not to, the other thing is that like the guy in the center of it is, while enormously talented and very smart in many not at ways, the same caliber as everybody like, else, does not present that way. At least when you speak, like, well, he, like he's, oh, he's just categorically not. I mean, like he's a brilliant person, but in terms of like having a storied career of success in a specific field. And I think he is have. that in the field of academia, but that's such an odd sort of hub to then pull from all these other places. Yeah. I'd like to push back on that a little though, because you need someone who can connect all of these dots. Sure. Or the whole thing doesn't happen. That's true. For sure. And I, I think that is a skill a skill set that is often overlooked. Yeah, of like a connector. The of only sorts. reason this shit happened is because Harry insisted on it happening. Yes. And so while he doesn't have like this this peak of skill in one area, the ability to pull something like this off is a skill onto itself. For sure. That is not often recognized. No, that's, that's right. The, and I, the I've written for Star Trek and I can put the science piece together of these two things. But it's more than that too. It, it is. It's, I, it's, I'm just saying I have, like. I have the academic background. Yes. I have the education background. Yes. I have the entertainment background. Yeah. Yes. And I'm going to work my ass off for free on this thing for a fucking decade to make sure it happens. Yes. Like that's a very specific blend of skills. Completely. That's that was right. that was exactly the blend of skills required to make this thing happen. Or it would not have. Yeah. And I 100%. Think that's right. And I should recant that. That's a little unfair. I, I think what I confuse sometimes with Harry is that he does have that specific set of skills in a really strong way. And he is a really charismatic guy. Like from all of our conversations with him, there was a sizable amount of eye rolling, but there But I was also never bored for a single second. And that guy's, like, vision is really, like, palpable. And he's good at communicating it. And and I think we're we're all here and we're fascinated by a thing that doesn't exist without without him. him. And I think the thing that I confuse sometimes is the thing that he was, in my mind, still kind of, like, he is not a project manager. He is not a person who is good at, like... He was good at gathering all of it. He was maybe not good at maximizing all of it once it was in his hands. And But to your point, those are different skills. And the gathering bit of that is still really impressive. So that's very fair. And he is nothing if not a guy with a vision in every yeah. little corner of his yeah. life that we have accessed at least. Like that dude has a clear vision that he chases relentlessly. Which is like kind of 
kind of the thread that connected all of the things we talked about in the podcast for me is like people just chasing one thing relentlessly. Yeah. His was objectively like a little sillier than like, we're going to send a spaceship out to to Saturn. Well, and in his defense, it morphed a couple of times, I think, without his say-so, but... Yeah, and there's all the circumstantial shit as well, but I... I have found myself at that at that point too of like what what the fuck is this guy? But like the dude is doing has done and is doing shit that like other people aren't doing. It was never boring. No, and and I mean to the contrary like he did something 10 years ago that has us fascinated like still and he's still. But none of us have ever pulled off a project like that. No way. Not not with <laughs> and not with this level of. None of us would be able to, to yeah. be honest. And he's still doing stuff that like is really kind of wild. I mean, if if you throw a Google on Harry Clure's name, you will probably find the robot company he's working with, and like it is some genuine like straight out of sci-fi stuff. It it's, is. It's it's similar in that it's like it seems kind of absurd. And like I don't really get what he's doing, and also I, it's way beyond me. Like I wouldn't yeah. be able to do any of the shit that he's doing. No, and he's I, he's genuinely a brilliant dude. In just a way that I haven't experienced anyone else being a brilliant person. It it's a complete like. The thing I think Harry believes in more than almost anything else, and what links his. NASA work and his academic work and his entertainment work is he clearly believes in this idea that some amount of technological advancement is the result of sci-fi kind of like pushing folks to imagine certain things being real. And that's true. And then engineers come in on the back end or scientists or whoever. That has happened throughout history. Yeah, that's real. And he believes in that pipeline. And it's a thing that I like – the notion that my role in the world is to make fictional things real yeah, is is really foreign to me. And other people are going to think you're a fucking weirdo and a lot. Other people are going to think you're a fucking weirdo constantly. And yeah. that is just the space he occupies yeah. and he embraces. Yeah, he doesn't give a single shit no. about that. <laughs> he doesn't care about any of it. No. And like – you know, we asked him some kind of like dicey questions every, or some like pointed questions and he yeah. would just kind of like laugh and whatever. And every now and again, he'd be like, you want to see my new robot? <laughs> it would just derail <laughs> an interview showing us videos of some robot he built making a gin and tonic. And like, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that, but it's not because it's wrong. It's because I just don't know what it's like to move through the world like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. We've got. I feel like we've we've covered a lot of these indirectly. This this one I think is sort of at the the crux of what ultimately sealed Quantum Quest's fate, though. Because that's the other thing you you were never planning to do a theatrical release of a forty five minute movie, right? There's no market for no. forty five minute movies. So I think we mostly answered that one of like. No, there's not. And also that's not what they intended to do. And they were trying to do the best that they could with the movie they were forced to make. Yeah, they were budget. forced to make a 45-minute movie. They didn't elect to make a 45-minute movie. Yeah. Um, to that point, just in like the what did they make, 
if there is one thing related to Quantum Quest that I could like snap my fingers and be like, I want, I want that. I want to see that and mm-hmm. how that worked. I think it might be the original pitch to some of these actors of like, oh yeah, what did they get sold on? Like, yeah. what, what was your original idea of what this was supposed to be? Yeah, that's obviously pretty far removed from where it ended up, but was so tantalizing that that list of people said yes to it. Right. Like that's the because th- that that initial pitch email or phone call or whatever yeah that would be like what did they get sold on because that right. that thing seems and like it must add something to is it is it anywhere in the ballpark of what actually happened and I mean, one of my most one of the things I'm really 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 fascinated about and I have no idea how any of this shit works is like when this thing comes out in May. Theoretically, someone owes Chris Pine some chunk of change off the back end of that, or someone's got to tell Chris Pine this is coming out. No, it, I mean, there are, do, lot, there are do lots any of these of people ways react this. once this comes out and go, "Oh, I was in that." So they're going to get asked about it. I'm certain. Contractually, like you were probably just taking a day rate and no probably. point and no points because you thought you were doing or you were doing a charitable thing of some sort. I would love to. So. I don't think we we discussed this in the in the show, but I reached out to every actor that was in this movie from both casts. Yeah. And the only person that agreed to an interview is Jim Meskimen, who you who's in the show. I got three total responses. One was a yes from Jim Meskimen. One was a hard no from Jason Alexander. Oh no, sorry, four. Hard no from Jason Alexander, hard no from Sandra O. Oh. And I went back and forth probably 10 times with Doug Jones's publicist. He had agreed to do it. And then the timing just didn't work out because he was shooting a new season of some Star Trek show. And I got a hard no from Shatner, whose well, agent said, if you look at his Twitter bio, it says, I don't do podcasts. Yeah. So no. Yeah. Oh my God, dude, can you imagine the podcast requests that Star Trek adjacent people get? I'm sure it's a lot. It's also, probably- Shatner seems like... Not the friendliest bud these days. Uh, So we reached out to every actor from both casts and got a total of five responses. One yes, one maybe. You heard the one yes on the show. I would love to go back to all of them now and say, hey, this movie is actually coming out and this podcast is out. You want to talk about it? Are you sure? (laughs) Like now people are going to see this movie that you made 10 years ago and react to it Chris I mean, Pine, would you air, like would you like a chance to explain your kids I mean, will go as dave uh, the photon for yeah, Halloween like I, line. I, I would just love we should we should honestly on air production try, meeting we, we should do that yeah <laughs> we, we should that's that's a what if joke we would always be like on air production a meeting joke we used to say it on the i've heard on it on the, the radio too it's a good joke i mean i almost made it a second ago <laughs> okay but like but we should we should write that email and we should write it with the exact context you just outlined and we should resend to whatever 25 actors yeah. and go like, hey, uh, do you have a renewed interest in having a conversation about this? Because I think I think here's what it is. We were digging into a movie that no one could watch. As an actor, I have zero obligation to acknowledge I ever participated in that. Yeah, just let it let it lay. Let yeah. it lay. It is what it is. It never came out. It didn't it probably if I'm an actor, I'm going it probably didn't come out for a pretty good reason. Yeah. So why would I And why would I address it? Why would I talk about it? Why based, would I participate? Based on the other people involved with the movie that we talked to, odds are they've never seen it. 
Right, because neither is it literally anybody else, particularly people who worked way more intensely on the film the than fucking, people who were just voices. It's the also fucking editor didn't the editor see didn't the see final exactly. cut, which exactly. I don't even understand how that's possible. For sure. But it isn't. It's the, you, made the <laughs> final, you made the final cut yeah, and yet yeah, you didn't yeah. see it. But if but but like but now if I'm an actor and I'm saying a performance of mine is going to be visible on the Internet for the first time. And also for some of these actors, for the first time in a pretty long time, in, in a way that I'm like, oh, that might not be my uh, my favorite performance of like my entire creative career. But here it is. And for some of these actors, they're status or clout or however you want to phrase it has changed significantly since then chris pine is a way bigger deal now than he was in 2007 and he was already kind of a big deal he was he was on his way he was about to be a real big deal yeah 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 Yeah. also for all of the weirdness that led to all of this uh that led to this whole story in the first place a movie full of a-list actors coming out 15 to 25 years after it was, well, depending on which version of the cast you're talking to, if you go got back it. to got it. Yep. 97. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Um, but doing that work and then it never becoming public is not the most atypical thing in the world. I'm sure that happens all the time. But yeah, doing yeah. that work, at, well, <laughs> and one of the things to go back to our weird pet theories from the jump is one of the things that I got told by a couple of people who have some connection or relationship to Hollywood is, oh, this might be a thing that just had to get produced to fulfill a contract and never had to get shown anywhere or to like end some insurance thing or like there are all sorts of weird technical contractual reasons to like make a film, put it out one place somewhere. Like that's not the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. I don't think that's what happened here. But. It's not, but that was one of our early theories. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. um but what is really atypical is a thing getting a relatively broad release 20, 15 years after it was made. Yeah, like yeah. Usually that stuff just dies and goes away forever or comes out right away. But this enormous lag or, time is really odd. Or comes out and like is available that whole time and then something else like kicks off some popularity later. Like yeah. yeah. With, I've compared it to The, the Room several right. times. We've but talked like, about, yeah. That movie was released – no one gave a shit about it for a few years, and then it became this cult classic. Yeah. This is similar, but different in that it's like literally no one has seen it. Well, not literally, but like outside of a special screening to middle schoolers. Yeah. No one has been able to see this thing for a decade. And... Mark Hamill, William Shatner, Chris Pine, Amanda Peet, Jason Alexander, Sandra O. Oh, Dave St. Pierre, yeah. Yeah. I I think it is definitely. Did you call him Dave St. Pierre? Because that's awesome. Dan, yeah, I did. <laughs> Dave the Photon St. Pierre. Mm. <laughs> the it's free, like, the I was free just, beer has set <laughs> the, the, ana- the analogy that I was uh, that I was just like about to use. Did you say the free beer has set in? Shout out Flying Machine. Thanks, Carl. Uh, <laughs> it's, really, it's really good beer, bud. Thank your you. shit works, bud. You've done great. I think that, you know, like a, the analogy that I would use right now is like, like Spencer and I can both say, like, we've made songs from 10 or 15 years ago. But those songs, we go, mm, I made that 10 years ago. And I didn't put it out 10 or 15 years ago, probably for a reason. And I'm good with that never, ever going out. Well, and also no one would give a shit if we did now. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm saying from a creative perspective for these actors. It's oh, dude, a, I would be 
super nervous if somebody was like, that's what I'm saying. Hey, uh, this thing you did 10 years ago that you forgot about the next day is now going to be on Amazon. That is would exactly. You like, would you like to comment? That is exactly but, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's well, like, it's like you and I have made shit 10 or 15 years ago that we let die 10 or 15 years ago for a good reason, for a fucking reason. Yeah. And like those things are going to stay in a Google drive or get deleted out of a Google drive and like never come out. But if you're an actor and you don't have control over this release, and yes. again, to your point of the fact that many of them have never seen it, they don't actually know I, what the fucking, what the output is of that performance. Like I that's going to be kind of fucking wild. I would guess most of those actors <laughs> didn't see the final version of the movie. I would guess they never saw a single it, animated right? I mean, still yeah. of if any the, of if it. If the yeah, editor probably. didn't see any of it, how would any of the actors have seen any? I guess, well, when they did Comic-Con, was there a showing at Comic-Con or was oh. it just a panel? It was just a panel? It was a panel with, well, they did two years. It, two years, It, it was right. a panel both times, and I think they had like some clips and early animation. But, but it was actually screened it. It was Comic-Con 08 and 09, so both of them were before the movie was actually <laughs> yeah. finished. Yeah, because it, Came, didn't come out till 10, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So so then maybe they saw clips of themselves, but like none At of them- best, yeah. But none of them have seen their performances in full. They've unless forgotten went, the films exist. Unless you went to Louisville between January and June of 2010. <laughs> and went to the Science Museum. Right. Or well, if you went to London or well, whatever, I, I guess. Okay. If, I shouldn't say none. Ricardo was at the opening in Louisville. Oh, he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because so some of the Star Trek people might have seen it because the reason it was at the Kentucky Science Center in Louisville is because they were doing a Star Trek exhibit. Yeah. And bought the movie as like a companion piece to their Star Trek exhibit. Yeah. And for the opening, they had Picardo and like maybe somebody else. I but guess. Yeah. As I, a whole, I think you're right. And I guess macro, all I'm trying to say is like, if I were in their shoes. I would want to be able to contribute to the narrative around my 10, 15, 20 year old performance. And I also super wouldn't want to talk to three random dudes from Minneapolis oh, on a podcast about it. No <laughs> shot, bro. Absolutely. Particularly not before I've seen it. Because no. because we have a leg up on Chris Pine right now because right. we've seen a movie he's in that he hasn't seen. It's, it, your yes. your music thing is a really interesting example because there are I, I'm not as deep into this as you guys are, but there are like you know these rumors of studio sessions that so and so did with such and such that no one ever hears the outcome of in the, I, in the music world, and that seems much less common in films, right? Like you can there's a bunch of unreleased Lizzo songs on this computer right here. <laughs> yeah. Yo, true story. Yeah. And can we say like also a Mac Miller song or two on there that yeah, yeah, yeah. that have never yeah. come yeah. out? On like, this computer that's playing the stupid clips from our podcast from a year ago. <laughs> yeah. But like that stuff exists and has like a lore to it in yeah. music fandom in a lot of ways that doesn't seem to exist in film. Like you can trace back famous actors to like weird original indie films like yeah. i always think about like the wilsons and bottle rocket well, or whatever okay. but like you know what though sorry I'm I, cutting it, off. is that i don't know enough to know is that true or do you just not hear about it as much like I i'm just so much more familiar with music than i am with i think film. what it is is the small film stuff like i'm sure there are like student films or whatever that folks are in at like a really early age but there's nothing that would involve the kind of collaboration with the level of talent here right like there's a i don't know 
I think I'm, I'm totally picking up on what you're saying. And I think, you know, the, the main difference is like, you know, I know we make a lot of jokes on that show. That is Spencer's not joking about there being those unreleased songs on there by those artists with you. But like, I think the reality of those situations is it's free for two individuals to come into a creative space and create something that doesn't go anywhere. And if it doesn't go anywhere, there are zero implications of that when it comes to making a, a, a piece of media with these levels of actors, there's usually in Hollywood an investment behind a film that requires another like it requires something happening with that thing. You just need a lot more people and more people. You right? need more people, so more people are involved, and that in, that boosts means, the means investment. More money. Yeah. And if there is more people involved to make a movie happen, there's more investment. And when there's more investment, something needs to happen to recoup that investment. Well, and I'm, that goes back to a thing for, we've talked about like three times on this episode, which is that was the thing we kept not understanding is how are all of these expensive big name things all attached to this thing? And they were like. Louisville and we're, we're good. That's it. That's all we needed. Well, and I think bye. the other bye. dynamic that happens when you have more people involved is there's more in, there are more and more varied incentives for folks to push whatever it is out there. Ultimately, like yes. a couple of people in a studio can either go, eh, neither of us really like this or I'm one of them who's much more famous than the other. Sorry, Spencer. And some of these dynamics, what? like <laughs> one of them can go, what? don't fucking, don't fucking send that to anyone or I'm going to make it a problem for you. Yeah. But when you're yeah. dealing with all of these people, it's much harder to keep a thing fully under wraps, which to go back to the beginning of this is sort of what was so tantalizing about this in the first place. Yes. And I am not a lost media guy the way that you are, Spencer, but like I, mean, I wasn't until this. So, well, yeah, <laughs> there you go. But the thing that was so wild to me is like after years and years and years of getting softly conditioned into whatever you want on the Internet, you can just have it. Yeah. Hitting a wall that is here's a very what should be a very big thing with a lot of very famous people. And no, you cannot see anything about it. Yeah. It's like a really, really, really. It just pushes a very specific and very modern button of yeah. like, well, but I want it. Yeah. What do you mean I, I can't have it? I, I think I, that I, that's what makes the lost media stuff in general so fun. But that is what specifically about Quantum Quest got my attention. Is like, there Why are can't I watch this? 20, 20 of the most famous people I know on this thing. Right. And it was 10 years ago. What do you, what do you mean it doesn't exist? This is from I, 1948 or yeah, what? Yeah, like this... This is impossible that this doesn't exist. I remember, too, there being a take, I think, on the episode. Maybe you have the clip. Maybe you don't. I, I've gotten through half of our clips, and I think we've been recording for about six hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to play any more of them specifically? Uh, there's like two more that I for sure want to get to, but go ahead. Okay. Say well, what you need one, to say. Just one that I think we talked about in that episode is a take that I don't know if I had it or you had it, but we had, I think, in that episode, which was like at a minimum. And I really, really mean that in its truest literal terms. At a minimum, this movie probably could and should be making $25,000 a year on streaming services. Just based on the cast names alone, could you not be selling that movie for $4.99 rentals on Amazon and make $25,000 well, a year? Which is exactly what they're going to do now, but... I know, yeah. but that was part of going back to your point of like, why can't I have this thing? And the tantalizing piece was that piece specifically was like, 
you could and should be making 25 grand a year. So whoever, oh, we were, we didn't even know. We were like, whoever owns the rights to this, wherever in the universe this could be owned, who is not taking the opportunity based on the participating characteristics of it to just make that borderline passive income on an annual basis right. off of whatever asset, creative asset well, they own. We had to bring it to the producer's attention that he should be doing such a thing. And, and now he, he is. And, he, and here we are. <laughs> and also, here we are. It's also deeply wild to me that some of what we got from him was just like, oh, no one ever thought to ask before. That is the and, the craziest part of this whole story to me is that when we first hit him up. We should have put this in the show. We didn't. I think. I don't think we have him quoted because it was in an email and not audio, but yeah. I think we mentioned it at some point. When we hit up Harry about this movie, yeah. he said no one had so much as asked about it in 10 years. Which is so crazy. It seems wild to me. And it to, had a Wikipedia page. Like, it wasn't dead It was entirely. all over the internet. Yeah. People that, that's were what, creating lost media YouTube videos about it. What's with the, millions of views. Blame what, it on Jorge. Blame it on or, Jorge created a YouTube video in 20-whatever, 2020 it or was, 20... Well, it was after we... It, that was after we started working on it. So it was 2021. Yeah, that's right. It was summer of 21. It, it blew up on the internet, like, yeah. around the time, and then after we did this first... Yeah. Not, not to say that we had anything to do with it, but just coincidentally, it was after we had started digging into it. But like there, but there were there were many like you know elements, I guess, of that on the internet of people poking around at it. So the fact that no one had done the should we call the guy? Should we call the guy? I mean, we had to work a little bit to get that like figured out of who it was did, and the number. But not, not a that shy hard. man. Did we? That hard. We emailed him, and ten minutes later, I mean, he said, "Here's my phone number." Is sure. That's what I'm saying, though, is like we had to work. We had to we had to like make that choice and try that. But like it wasn't it wasn't a um, it wasn't a huge, massive lift to get in touch. Once we did, we were talking to him like a day later, which was the other thing that was sort of wild. I know we're going a million different directions with this, but like (laughs) a dude with that resume who's written on Star Trek, who has, you know, his academic career in every paper in the entire country for a stretch there, like. The thing that he was most proud of or most excited to talk about to some degree was this thing. Was it? Or did that was that just what we asked him about? I don't yeah. know. That's a good question. He kept wanting to bring us back to his robots and we we're like, no, 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 well, no. But, no. That, <laughs> but the kids movie. But yeah. that, that came a little later. But you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Like eventually I think he got tired of us asking about the thing from forever ago. But at first it was like yeah. it was not like we had to pry it out of him. Well, look, if you've worked on something for as long as he's worked on something and people are interested in it in a way that you have stated you have not received that interest for a long time. Like I'd, if I, if I had a pet project that I'd been working on for a decade and nobody gave a shit yeah. about it until some people were like, Hey, what's up with that pet project? I'd be like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Fucking what do you want to talk about? I guess it's That's really just an observation about the nature of pet projects, which like sure. the things that are like most deeply and personally important to a person are like rarely or not necessarily rarely, but like, Oftentimes are not the things you would assume. Should we should we play these last couple of clips? Yeah. We have so, kind of been talking for six hours. What, yeah. We have two that I think we need to get to. All right. Um, here's the first. The digitally animated film Quantum Quest is, for all intents and purposes, an edutainment hybrid. <laughs> I hate that phrase so much. <laughs> that set of words. Reading so from one of the two reviews that we found online about yeah. it. Yeah. However, the film falters in both accounts, never achieving to be a fully realized entertainment film, 
nor offering an adequate scientific study of the astronomical phenomena it features. That's like I said, it's it's like it's not enough of anything to be anything. Yeah. Ryan, you fucking nailed it. Thanks, That bud. is really what we did. What was at the, the, the crux of this whole thing is like, it was not scientific enough to appear, appeal to IMAX theaters, who we have now learned had specific curriculum requirements for the films that they showed. And it's 45 minutes long and like not a super well-made movie. So what regular theater is going to buy it? You can't, you can't slot it into your, your movies for the week because it's half the length of a normal movie. It's one of the phrases that has stuck with me throughout the entirety of this process that you said, Spencer, and one of our earliest conversations, which is it's like this movie smacked a line drive up the dead center of the uncanny Valley. Yeah. I love that. And and like that has stuck with me throughout this entire time, because I think it is. And like, I didn't know at the time, but I mean, I, that review, I think prompted it for sure. To some extent, it was instinct was correct. (laughs) Yeah. The instinct was like, yeah. So it probably wasn't financially viable in either world. And so it died on the vine. Like it just straight up died on the vine. And that's, I mean, from everything we've learned, that is exactly what happened. It died on the vine because it I mean, wasn't. That's, that's what Harry and Dan told us essentially yeah. is like the museums didn't want it because it wasn't science enough, and the theaters didn't want it because it wasn't entertaining enough. It wasn't, it wasn't an hour long. <laughs> it wasn't formatted right for them. Yeah, it wasn't formatted correctly for either place. And the content wasn't right for either place. It was and, both and, formatting and content were wrong for the two places that had format and content requirements and i think a lot of that is not necessarily their fault like if if they had made the film they wanted to make there would have been more science in it yes and it would have been an hour and a half long right and so like maybe the version that harry had originally envisioned could have worked in either or both locations right and instead the version they were forced to make didn't hit either mark yep i think the other thing about hearing you say that again and reading that back is that like Definitely true at the time that it wasn't educational or entertaining enough to be either. I do kind of think that at this point, the story of the film outside of the film itself is definitely entertaining enough to be it's, worth someone's time. I wouldn't say for me. I wouldn't say it's not entertaining enough. I would say it's just it's just formatted wrong. Sure. I mean, I guess what I mean in the traditional sense of we look for ninety minute. It's just not long enough to yeah. be yes. entertainment in our in our entertainment culture. I don't mean the film isn't entertaining. I absolutely think the film is entertaining. And like we, wow. I mean, we've said as much, look, you're <laughs> de- not in the way the, it was intended, but the it's definition very entertaining. Of enter- I was going to say the definition of entertaining is broad. And like, there is what? no, there is no way in which I do not find this film entertaining to the, watch. The three of us had a lot of fun watching. That. That's what I'm did. saying. Oh like, that God. is an entertaining, <laughs> that is an entertaining 45 minutes by the truest definition of entertainment. And I guess what I was getting at is that like the reason in my mind that we had as much fun watching as as we did is because we walked this whole path of like how and why beforehand the and that was way 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 more entertaining than anything that was on the screen the, the narrative is a big part of it and sure. we've talked about like the room comparison a couple of times because like that's a part of it like the, yeah. it's just what is this thing you're showing me that yeah, objectively yeah, yeah. is not worth the presentation that it's getting or the cast that it has in this particular case. But yeah. like the story, the story as a whole amazing. is wildly entertaining. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Last one. This is another one from Ross Anthony. It's a much shorter review ring. The only other review we could find online a year ago. He, he gave it a B plus 
Wow, dude. And, wow, bro. That's a lot. And okay. didn't give it a letter grade. Hey, Ryan, we haven't seen it, okay? <laughs> real, real quick, would you give it more or less than a B plus? Over under B plus right now, having actually seen it. You know what? You know what? I think it's exactly a B plus. <laughs> honestly, 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 I think I think B plus is exactly what that movie Hell deserves. Yeah. I think you're right. It is exactly correct. Yeah. It's definitely not an A, but I wouldn't like I wouldn't degrade it it's, further than that. It's, it's no a, worse than a B plus. I don't think so. It's a very like vibey grade in general. Oh, it's, of course. It's just the like this is a very vibey I, show. So. I, yeah. Come on. <laughs> I I do listen to the other episodes that I'm not on sometimes. There's not a point scale here. <laughs> but like it, you know, you sometimes get a kid who like yeah, doesn't really quite get it, but does something entertaining and worthwhile. Yeah. And yeah. like you can't give him the charity A, right. but you want to encourage the yeah B plus. It's like you're certainly good. not going to fail that kid. No, yeah, oh, God, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. It's a, good, wanna, it's a good effort, but I'm not going to like I'm, not at all I'm, what I asked for. But <laughs> yeah. like, we, we can't put this on the same level as the kid who worked their ass off and did the right thing. But we're going to make sure you but keep you it moving. Yeah, that's you right. way, you, yeah, you did way more than the, like the kids who get season Ds like so, by a lot. Like I enjoy. Grading this thing, you know that it was not correct. Not We're gonna I make sure your for. parents don't give you any shit right. about this. <laughs> Yo, you know what it is? You ever do you ever have a teacher where like you got asked to do an essay and you were like, hey, but hold me down though. What if we did like a video project for instead? <laughs> I was the teacher that was always like, Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Show me your so, weird ideas okay. and I'll give you a passing grade. And that is like that is exactly <laughs> what this is. NASA asked Harry Kluwer for an essay, and he was like, Hey yo. But what if I use some Lego figurines but. and make you a movie? And they were like, well, show me what you got. And he was Look, like, here's already, what I got. We they already like, cut the check. Go nuts. If you're in the business <laughs> of right, reviewing right. IMAX movies, like, what are we doing here? Like, how are you grading the, like, 45-minute bear migration film? Like, but, what are we talking yeah, about? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, do bears migrate? I don't know, dude. What am I? <laughs> no, but like, he, is this a but biology but like, podcast? I was tracking it's a movie. I was mean, like, yeah, that's that's about-ish what most, like. like what I, yeah, totally. Like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah. we're getting, you know, sharks just sharks. Yeah. Like sharks. Yes. And it's just bears, 45 bears minutes. and sharks and tornadoes. Yeah. And this would be a, a totally. pleasant, pleasant surprise right. in that mix. Yeah. Right. It would also fuck you up. If you watch those three <laughs> movies consecutively and then you watched Quantum Quest, mm -hmm. you'd be like, what in the fuck? Yes. Instead uh, of sharks, it's just Gelman ghosts. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there, hold on. There's, there's more to this review that we have to get to. Just saying a B plus is like, that's a lot. <laughs> that's um, a lot. He generally says it's, it's fine. The, the point of this review that I wanted to call our attention to is the last paragraph where he says, however, the sport obviously borrowed from the Harry Potter film felt a little too unoriginal. There's a Quidditch there's apparently, situation. There's apparently space Quidditch in Quantum Quest. Oh, bro, we have <laughs> to see this. Uh. <laughs> when I first heard that, I was like, this has to be some sort of like completely over the top exaggeration. And having seen oh, the film, it's very I literal. I don't know how yeah. else to explain what mm, goes on. It's exactly space, space Quidditch. No. Yep. There's no, there's literally no other way to describe it. it. I thought it was very, very funny that this movie debuted in Taiwan alongside the last Harry Potter movie oh my God. in IMAX. 
the one screening in Taiwan was they they had two movies. It was Quantum Quest and it was Deathly Hallows Part One. Awesome, <laughs> awesome, that's awesome. God, that's awesome. Hey, w- once you've seen this movie and you've watched that Harry Potter movie, that is such an awesome. It- like two pack. There's no other way wow. to describe it than it's space quits. They're in a stadium. They're flying around. They're yeah. on like some I, sort I, of stick. It's like I guess slightly more akin to lacrosse than no. than than Quidditch is. But I like mean, yes, you're but in no. a stadium <laughs> flying, throwing a ball with a with a stick and yeah. through like hoops and holes and yeah. yeah. It's no. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's important enough that Dave goes AWOL from the space military to coach it. <laughs> And ruins his Amanda Pete relationship. That is a a beautifully succinct representation (laughs) of a very real plot point in that film. It's the plot point. (laughs) That is is our inciting incident to the whole movie. God bless. Uh, I think we should probably leave it at that. We were right and wrong, bud. We were right and wrong. I feel like we've been recording this podcast for about four days. (laughs) We've been in this room for a very long time. We were right and wrong, though, about, about, about it all. We were both right and wrong. We got a few things right. Couple, couple, two, tree wrong. We missed wildly on a few other things, and uh, you know it all came out in the wash. And honestly, that's exactly what we're best at. If we, yep. if you guys had gotten it all right, I would genuinely be pretty worried about you. Yeah, yeah. Like there would yeah. have been some real questions. <laughs> but I mean, I do. I like for what it's worth. I am pretty proud of like, like the assessment around like people doing this shit for charity even though we didn't know the extent of that, the assessment around like it missing both marks. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm pretty proud of like at a high level. I think we hit a lot of stuff for having no contacts. I mean, and, clearly there was shitloads of stuff we got wrong and didn't know as well, our, but at a high level, I think we hit some pretty big points. Our biggest misses were also budget related. Sure. Which we just had bad information on and budget or origin related. Right. Yeah. We we went down a lot of rabbit holes based on thinking that this movie had a twenty to thirty million dollar budget from, from NASA, NASA. Yeah, which just totally. turned out to be completely wrong. Totally, and that and that for sure changes the math on like why this film is everything weird. else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, still clearly and deeply weird, but <laughs> it changes the math on the weirdness for sure. Yes. If somehow you've gotten to this point in this podcast and not listened to Finding Quantum Quest, go listen to Finding Quantum Quest. Yeah, this will all make infinitely more sense or any sense at all. Or, or you've been blacked out for the last sense. three hours. And even if you've already listened to it and you made it this far into this podcast, God bless you. And if you want to just listen through it again, but only listen to the ads this time, that's fine too. Go nuts. Yeah, just, if you just want to play those ads on repeat so we can get like $4 instead of 3 this month, yay, yay. go ham on that. I and love the idea that people who have listened this long will just take any direction yeah. we give them. Just, I mean, look, if you sat through that these shit. These are the diehards right now. Right. If, you're, if you can hear my voice right now, I love you. Wilmington Beer Guy, you. send more beer. Those were good. And, and also there's a decent... Uh-huh. There's a decent chance that this is the last ever episode of the What If Podcast. It's a distinct possibility. It's a distinct possibility. Look, Spencer and I have at this point basically just said, maybe we just fucking randomly record one on a random fucking Monday and just put it out and be like, whatever, hi, all right, bye. And just, I, I, it I just will, happens. I will say with certainty, this is the last one we have planned. For sure. For sure. We're coming off the schedule. So yeah. whether it's good or not, savor it. This is it, yeah. This is as good as it's going to get. Well, eh. 
right, guys, we we simply we, have to I, go yeah, at this I point. Okay, thanks for listening to this show <laughs> bye bye. and the other one. We love you. Bye.